games and gamers together now have the sheer magnitude to be a significant unifying force for the world. If I'm to choose between a greater and lesser evil, I'd rather not choose at all. You are almost a jibble sandwich. Did I ever tell you the definition of insanity? Be better. Check this out. Hello, 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 and welcome everyone to the 342nd episode of the Hungry Gamers Podcast. I'm your female humble host, Brendan White. You can find me just about everywhere at Brendan 8 Fitz. And joining me, as is the new and fantastic tradition here at the THG Studios, is my co-host, who is certainly your buddy friend. You can find him doing many, many, many great things over at Radio Watson and find him on the social directly at BuddyWatson12. Buddy Watson, how the bloody hell are you? I am very good, my friend. How are you? I'm doing great. My hand is a little bit sore. I got some yes, uh, laser tattoo removal over the weekend, uh, and it doesn't get better. I don't know if you've done any any laser removal yet. I don't recommend seeking it out because it sucks. No laser tattoo removal, only laser hair removal. And uh, that's like little beast things, but I can't imagine it being as bad as tattoo uh, removal. So, no, hopefully I won't have to, but I really appreciate that, like, that you're removing mum from inside the love heart and, like, putting buddy. Uh, just yeah, after one I know, week of like, hanging uh, out with these. I, I, I appreciate that. I've got that. so much room in my heart, you know, so I've got to sort of pick and choose the battles. And, and I called mum and let her know over the weekend that there's a bit of a bit of a paradigm shift occurring. And she was okay. She knows that she'll still always have a place in my heart inside myself, but on my external flesh, it's now your space there. So, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to sharing sharing that new tattoo design with the world once this laser heals. But, yeah, it sucks. They uh, they they had a new and improved machine that was like twice the size of the last one so i'm like okay this is going to be interesting like yeah it doesn't really laser anymore as much as it burns so i'm like okay we've (laughs) gone from a laser gun to a flamethrower and yeah the, the feeling and the pain was very real very immediate and um it's always interesting when you can smell your own flesh burning but uh we're here we're podcasting we're having a good old time and um yeah i guess first and foremost i want to know because i felt rude listening back to the edit from last week I didn't talk to you more about Radio Watson and when it's coming back. <laughs> I know it's been very stop-start. You've had a lot of things going on in, in, in your life that have taken priority, but yeah, when are you getting back on the mics, man? Man, I thought I could just like slink away and not have to uh, kind of answer those questions. I was kind of glad you did, like just kind of brushed over it. But uh, I think like the last episode I recorded was maybe February or March of February of, of is correct, year. yeah. There you go. You've done the research. Damn it, he's, he's done, the, uh, done the research there. So I, I don't know. I haven't really been compelled to kind of jump back in. All the Last of Us stuff I did when um, the TV show came out, I did with Well Played Weekly with them. So it's kind of nice to just uh, rock mm-hmm. up and not really do too much prep, kind of like what it is now, uh, which is what I used <laughs> to do. Um, but I guess having no kind of regular host or semi-weekly discussion of news or plan and having it be a little bit more evergreen kind of puts me in that hole. Because it's like, all right, I don't have a set schedule of jumping up, like, showing mm-hmm. up and then a set co-host so it kind of is really on me to kind of pick a topic that i do want to talk about and then find someone that also wants to talk about that kind of passionately so um i've got to cherry pick two type of things in one hit so whether it come back or not or i kind of do something in a different uh form or something we'll we'll, we'll see what happens we will we will but i i feel you 100 percent, man like it can be very 
very tough to sort of stay up and stay motivated and stay focused, especially if you are the one doing the primary heavy lifting to, to find those topics and then seek out people to join you. And, and it can be difficult because it is a passion project and, and we are men with many passions. So uh, yeah, you got to pick and choose your battles and yeah, when, when that bug bites you again, hopefully, and you get the, get the motivation to, to fire up Radio Watson or this other thing you mentioned could be, um, I know that people will be turning up to check it out because you're a, you're a very, very easy man to listen to and you've got <laughs> good opinions. So, uh, yeah, come back. Enjoy what you're doing right now, but also, um, yeah, enjoy some content creation and bring it back to us in our ears, in our hearts, in our minds, all that stuff. Please and thank you. Well, thank you that you believe that, but... Uh... I think those two 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 things can be very subjective of, of whether uh, uh, you know that that they agree with you. People agree with you, so we'll see. But you've you've got like such a great studio set up. Like I remember when you started taking the photos of of the faux brick wall and everything yeah, yeah, for yeah. the framing. Yep. Like it is, it's so pretty in there. The world needs to see more of that. True, true. It's kind of like I I did do it for that kind of reason and to maybe film more stuff in front of that and doing more video work and everything. But uh, if anything, it's kind of still get the the vibe from it just being just having it for myself and yeah, yeah, yeah. Able to be in the room uh, as as often as i'm not because i'm downstairs most of the time but if you want to come here it's kind of like my own little little space and it's your little it's, oasis yeah it looks good now it really does it really does there, there's a lot of good stuff framing the shot that i'm looking at for the audio listeners right now so uh, <laughs> you should be jealous because it is a sight to see but um let's pivot over to this the week that was now, my man, I know collectively you haven't really played many new games. <laughs> Full disclosure, listeners, we don't have any new uh, scorching hot takes, I think, as far as new games. Well, at least I don't. I see you've added one to the docket there, which I'm very interested to hear about because I've downloaded it. I'm yet to uh, sling a singular web. So maybe maybe sort of lead that off and, and tell me about your uh, early experiences with uh, Spider-Man 2 by Insomniac Games. Yeah, finally... Um jumping into it after, you know, Mario Wonder last week or the last two weeks, 100%ing mm-hmm. that. So I've been looking forward to getting into Spider-Man, finally sat down, had a couple of hours with it, and the opening is just fantastic. Like, just the way they kind of uh, re-tutorialize you with controls, not throwing everything at you in one hit. Um, in that first couple of hours, it kind of feels like I have that muscle memory of the controls or at least not have that muscle memory, but kind of the way they've explained it or, or re- re-explained. Um, mm-hmm. It just feels like it's a a lot easier and you know mentally i'm just like it's clicking all together again so i'm not super big on triple a games and i was kind of you know i really enjoyed spider-man and wasn't really throffing this but immediately jumping back into the combat and kind of like traversing around the city from the, the small parts that i've done so far it's like oh okay uh, i'm gonna stop tricking myself that i hate triple a games or i was like <laughs> not greatly interested in this because this is kind of scratching a little bit of an itch that i like it's just uh mm-hmm. feels so easy and flows so well uh, and and um i guess in my mind i'd forgotten how similar the combat was to the arkham series it, as dumb as that kind of sounds because it's you know you know almost one for one in kind of the the control scheme and how you combat parry and, and do all your combos and stuff but um i guess in spider-man it's so quick and i guess you have the like the traversal and everything combined with that uh yeah it just feels feels great like combat feels fantastic so i'm not going to too sure how quickly that's going to wear off mm-hmm. um like it can again and but i guess i take solace in knowing that it's only going to be like 20 30 hours it's not going to be some gigantic massive game and just the elements of like the dropping in like the little story beats to kind of set up the story so far um yeah i'm, I'm super keen to get back to it 
Yeah, I'm, I'm keen to uh, dive in, but uh, I've just been really struggling with motivation to sort of pick up and play new games or any games at the moment. So yeah, Spider-Man's on my list there. I've still got to go back and work through more Alan Wake 2. And I've still just sort of been cycling through old familiar comfort foods. Like I played some of the the, the new sort of Fortnite where it's gone back to, to sort of the OG map and, and got a little bit of nostalgia hit there. I got convinced to jump back into Diablo 4 with the the latest sort of season seasonal content where you're slaying many a vampire. So I made a necromancer and I've jumped so deep into that. Like I've hit level 75 on that character already. So I, I can't sort of poke fun at you mentioning you playing a lot more factions in sort of the the agenda here. But yeah, I've, I've done the same. I've gone back to, to Old Faithful and and sort of just played a little bit of that to have some familiar escapism. And it's a good time. It's a good time. But yeah, I need to finish Alan Wake 2 so then I can move on to Spider-Man 2 and then I can move on to Super Mario Bros. Wonder. And that just intimidates the hell out of me thinking I need to try and play all these games within the next handful of weeks. And it just sort of shocks me and freezes me in place. So instead I just go, you know, I'm just going to watch lots of things which we've both done as well. So you've checked out Scott Pilgrim Takes Off as well on Netflix. Yeah. Dropped, I think it dropped what, last Friday? Friday, yep. Yeah, so I I churned through it all of Saturday. I sort of uh, just jumped in, jumped out. It's a fun time, man. Like I Mm. will admit the first 10, 15 minutes, I was not feeling it straight off the rip. But I don't know what happened halfway through that first episode where just the the subtle shift or, or just the constant use of fantastic music just hooked me and I'm like, all right, I'm back in, let's roll, let's see where Scott Pilgrim takes off, goes. And I couldn't have had a better time watching those eight episodes. I had super fun with it. It was great to hear the entire cast back voicing themselves from the live action film. I felt some of the vocal deliveries maybe were a little mailed in. Yeah, I don't know if that was just based off the character they're trying to portray, but it certainly felt like some people had more fun than others lending their vocal talents to these characters again. But it was great. Loved the animation, loved the story, and just the the constant usage of music in this series is just phenomenal, man. I was it was fun. Eight episodes, banger of a time. Yeah, totally agree. Um the first episode I could I definitely understand the criticism of like the voice acting feeling flat or kind of like mailed in or phoned in, because um a lot of that first episode is very repetitive of what you may have seen before in the graphic novels or uh, if you're coming from the movie so it's like similar Mm -hmm. lines or similar scenes some of the dialogue has changed Uh, maybe not for the better because either you're used to that uh, dialogue from before or it just worked like the whole pac-man joke and all that kind of stuff so i'm like uh, some of this is a bit weird um but kind of the turn they take at the end of episode one which is another thing that a lot of people complaining about i actually really enjoyed and it kind of like put me at ease that we're going to get something completely different it was more of like a companion piece to the other two things so i saw scott pilgrim the movie before i saw the graphic novels uh then i seeked out the graphic novels and i i love the novels and i they flesh out so much more um stuff than what the movie does and Mm -hmm. I guess reasonably because, um, you know, six books versus uh, whatever length uh, Scott Pilgrim goes for. When you watch that, it kind of just flies by and it's not a super lot of depth, but it's just kind of schizophrenic and fun. But this was really cool on, on, on kind of the changes that it made. And I don't know if it's a spoiler but I, I or not, but I kind of like that the movie is all about like defeating the exes and kind of getting with Ramona or getting the girl. Um, Whereas kind of one of the changes they make here is more about like what happens when you get the girl and like the 
consequences of what you did to get that or how to maintain a relationship or something like that. Um, but yeah, I think it's cool as a companion piece. I, I don't think people should be like looking at this go, Oh, this needs to be a one for one. Maybe a lot of people are coming from that bridge. Um, whether it's coming from the, like the, the novels, which kind of, you know, pushed out more stuff or they've only seen the movie, but yeah, I actually really enjoyed it. And, um, some of the stuff with the evil X's that you get in here that you might got, get in the mm-hmm. other two formats are fantastic. So uh, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it, it was super fun. It didn't overstay its welcome with those eight episodes. Like you said, it was very frantically paced at times. There was They're throwing a lot at you and each new episode introduces new characters or dives deeper on familiar characters that you might know from the film or, or from the, the graphic novels. And it's just a good time. Like mm. it just feels... I don't know if I'd say relatable is the right word, but like you mentioned. <laughs> oh, no. It, relatable in a way where it's like it's even though there's this crazy video game escalator over the top of it, there is a lot of realness to what's going on and there's themes and, and mm. situations and, and scenarios that play out that I think a lot of us have been in or witnessed secondhand. So so there is some indirect familiarity with it where I'm like, yeah, I, I understand how you'd be feeling that way. All right. I would do the same thing or I'd probably react similar. Like, so it's just fun mm. and I love fun in all aspects. And yeah, it was really nice to see what they did with uh, like with O'Malley's source material here and sort of put this fresh new spin on it instead of just doing a beat for beat remake of the film. So it is familiar, but new at the same time. And it's great. I hope we get more of it. I would not be sad if they they sort of churn out a few other seasons, but maybe some of the the vocal work gets a little bit more pep in said step in uh, subsequent seasons. It was weird. Like Brie Larson for me, it didn't sound like her at all. No. I don't know if it was just she put on a different voice for this or as she plays Envy Adams in the film, if she had a different sort of vocal delivery. But every time she was on screen, I'm like, nah, this isn't you. This is someone else like <laughs> ghost voicing you. This isn't real. This isn't the Brie Larson that I love. And Ramona worked quite well because she was already kind of like a, not deadpan, but like kind of a softer spoken uh, character anyway in, in mm. the film with Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Maybe that's why I was like drawn to it because as much as I love Scott Pilgrim's World, the movie, like Scott is kind of a fuckhead. And yeah, he's a piece of shit. He's not the greatest character in the movie. Like for me, it is definitely all about Ramona. She's like her cool kind of yeah. uh, mystique and kind of her past and how that's worked. So getting a, more time with Ramona in this series, uh, I think that's maybe maybe why it gelled for me and going with that kind of mindset that this was like a, more of a complimentary uh, thing. I, I agree 100%. Like Michael Sarah is fun and he lends his vocal talents to this role again very admirably 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 that's the word that's we got there third time go me yeah he was fine but there's only so much of that same character that you can deal with and and i agree with you ramona flower she's just a cool chick and she's got so much mystery and she's got cool hair and she's riding (laughs) rollerblades and it's just like man who is this like that's the girl that everyone would want to know whether it be from a romantic capacity or just a friendship capacity because she's just so unique. So, yeah, I like that she was the the focal point of this, even though it is called Scott Pilgrim Takes Off. It's very much the Ramona Flowers story and how she came to be. And it was cool exploring that story with her and that journey with her and all these other characters. But, yeah, it's so fun. And I love that Simon Pegg and Nick Frost just seem to cameo in so many things these days. They're just <laughs> popping up everywhere at the moment. I saw them in the credits the first time. I'm like, what? They're there? And then they popped up as a few other. But yeah, it's fun. Listeners, check it out. If you haven't watched 
the film or read the graphic novels, do both or do either depending on how you want to consume your content and then go peak this because it's a banger. Eight episodes, you can consume it in a night, in a day, whatever your viewing habits are and you'll have a fun time. And the soundtrack, holy shit, Ooh. it slaps. I've added so many of those songs <laughs> to my Spotify playlist already because there is just some bangers after bangers after bangers. Yep. Some good stuff. And I was surprised that they like licensed use of music in there. I didn't really kind of think that was going to happen when, at first when they were kind of not using some of the Sex for Bomb music like take for take. So I kind of liked that it was a bit different in that way. And then mm-hmm. we still had the licensed movie, like some Tony Hawk yes. kind of soundtrack. Oh, yeah. He- hearing, hearing like Dead Kennedys and stuff as they're doing this sort of skateboarding Tony Hawk homage, it was like, mm! I was like fist pumping on the chair. It was so good. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, getting the time travel. Getting the time, uh, time travel, go back to the 90s. Yeah, and then, and then I pivoted and I did go back to the 90s again in animation form and I checked out Captain Laserhawk, a Blood Dragon remix, which also dropped on Netflix. Only six episodes out of this little ditty that came out about a month or so ago now. Uh, it ties into the Far Cry 3 Blood Dragon DLC or expansion that, that Ubisoft released in 2013 and it is a trip. So this is... Hyper-violent, a little bit sexual, very crass, very crude, awesome, sick, thumping soundtrack again. But then they also do a lot of stuff with like mixed media where we've got the traditional sort of animation style and then mixing in live action here and there. They sort of meld sort of universes together and it becomes this weird, kooky, offensive melting pot of Ubisoft IP. Like you see Rayman in there. You see Sam Fisher from um, Splinter Cell. You see like Dead Sec and various other members of the cast from like Watch Dogs 1 and 2. So they're just bringing in all these characters from these fabled Ubisoft IPs. Oh, yeah, there's also um, a frog that is pretty much like Ezio from Assassin's Creed. <laughs> He's in the, the full Assassin's garb. Like it is just balls to the walls, bananas, but it works and it's fun and it's offensive in all the right ways. And it was just like something, if I watched this as a kid, I would have been like, this is the fucking coolest thing I've ever seen. (laughs) Like it just checks all those boxes. And I hope we get another season of this, the way it ends. Um, Adi Shankar has created this one. He is the, the video game animation savant. So anything he touches, I'm all about. And he absolutely hit this out of the park. And it's some of the best stuff that Ubisoft have done in a long time like that's probably a low bar to step over but (laughs) it is fun and i'm so surprised that i think ubisoft let addy go as crazy as he did with it i thought they might have tried to to rein it in and and make it a little less offensive because there's a lot of swearing a lot of death a lot of violence and a lot of uh controversial situations that are playing out you to see dolph laserhawk running around blowing the shit up of everything but it's fun man it is just a throwback to yesteryear. It just reminds me of like Duke Nukem 3D playing that in an animated style. And it's just, it's great. I've, I've been uh, very spoilt with animation the last, uh, the last several days. Yeah, I was very surprised when I was watching the trailer. I'm like, Ubisoft, right? Okay. Yeah, this is definitely, this is the best thing I've ever seen them do. I'm not a big <laughs> fan of a lot of their stuff. Uh, Mr. Buddy anti-AAA over here. But, and then Raymond showed up in the trailer, the synth music, the Vaporwave stuff, the VHS kind of uh, tear lines going through the, like, the trailer. I'm like, oh, damn, this looks amazing. Uh, so I'm probably going to have to check that out. And, and something that I can sort of indirectly connect then to something else we can quickly mention, Kenny Omega 
is oh, in this what? and Cody Rhodes is in this. I cannot in very believe brief moments, I, I cannot yeah. believe you, you you explained all of this, how it all kind of described it, all of these characters, everything, and you could have just led with that. I'm I'm wearing the AEW shirt. Yeah, as yeah, we yeah. record, like yeah, so, so they get some screen time as well. So uh, a couple of professional wrestlers making right. their way into Captain Laserhawk of Blood Dragon Remix. It is a time. It is so fun. And yeah, it's another banger. Six episodes. Doesn't overstay. You can consume it over dinner, over a three-course meal, have <laughs> six courses of Captain Laserhawk. It is so fun. What it, What's your take? Spoil, you could go spoiler or non-spoiler, but how did you find the AEW pay-per-view yesterday? Oh, uh, I thought it was really good, actually. Um, I'm only really kind of seeing the opinions of the internet wrestling community, which is kind of just like a toxic dumpster fire uh, at the best of times. So some people I see like, oh, Jay White was buried, or this is the worst thing that uh, has ever happened, or this is the greatest thing that happened. But um, I really enjoyed it. Um, there's a lot of kind of character turns or story progressions that I enjoyed. The Hangman Page versus Swerve Strickland. The Texas Death Texas Match. Texas Death Match is one Holy of the most guacamole. insane things I've ever seen from like start to finish. And I felt like it could have ended within five minutes of that match starting and should have or could have ended in at another like three other times when uh, I thought one or both of them were literally going to pass out or just uh, – stretch it off so yeah that was an in, that was just an insane show uh all, all around I, I loved it that that match like i didn't watch the whole pay-per-view i just sort of cherry picked a few bits and pieces and oh. heard, yeah got to check out the texas death match so i gave it a peek last night and i was i was shocked it's one of the most violent wrestling matches like mainstream wrestling matches we could say you know there's all kinds of hectic shit happening in all these other sort of federations and orgs but um yeah as far as mainstream professional wrestling goes that is up there as the most hectic shit i've seen in decades and it was so metal seeing a hangman drinking swerve's blood oh i was just like what the fuck is going on but it was great and AEW continue to knock it out of the park with their pay-per-view some of their weekly programming can be a little hit and miss but yeah mr mr tony khan certainly is mr pay-per-view these days it feels like he he brings it and seeing Mr. Osprey sign on for allegedly oh, at least yes. three years. That's great because he's the best in the world just about. And, yeah, that stacked roster of five-star uh, wrestlers <laughs> just keeps on building. So he's going to have banger after banger there. But, yeah, it was, it was a good time. It was a good time. It's fantastic. Can't wait to see Osprey come. But um, at least he's got like a Wrestle Kingdom to go before that. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, There were some inconsistencies with the booking in the, in the main event as far as People cleared for wrestling in some <laughs> matches, but not others. But we're not going to get into the semantics there. But yeah, that's what we've been doing. Unless you've got anything else you want to mention that you've been up to this past week, maybe we can sort of jump into our next segment. What do you think? Let's do it. News and notes from around the internet presented by Audio Technica. All right, once you're done listening to this segment, head on over to audio-technica.com to upgrade your audio game today. You need new in-ears, over-ears, gaming headsets, microphones, turntables. They've got it all, so check out audio-technica.com or at audio-technica.au on the socials. But I thought we'd recap first and foremost. The the Game Awards nominations are officially out, and obviously we tried to uh, predict the nominees for a couple of categories last week on episode 341. And we absolutely crushed it with the Game of the Year nominations. We went six for six where we predicted Alan Wake 2, Baldur's Gate 3, Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. 
Resident Evil 4 Remake, Spider-Man 2, and Super Mario Brothers Wonder as the six to make the docket. And we were six for six there, so go us. Too easy. And then if we sh- shift into our individual categories, you went with the indie nominations, and you were correct with four of the five because they only went with five nominee- nominations for this one. So you nailed Cocoon, Dave the Diver, Dredge, Sea of Stars, and the fifth nominee that made it is Viewfinder. You had Humanity and Chance of Sanaa on there as well. Yep. And then I went with the Best Adaptation nominations, and I was the same. So I was four out of five. I missed Gran Turismo because I haven't watched that movie and I just feel it's going to be shit. So I just assumed that it would not make the docket. But I was correct on Twisted Metal, the Super Mario Brothers movie, The Last of Us, and Castlevania Nocturne. But the other nominations I had was Neo Automata and Tetris were not on the list. So... After three categories, it's a goddamn dead heat. Um, <laughs> I don't know what we can do to try and determine a winner here. I don't oh. know if you've come up with any ideas. Pistols at dawn, slap fight. I don't know. But yeah, what are we going to do? How are we going to how are we going to split the split the difference here and work out who was the master predictor? Pistols at dawn, quick and the dead style, uh, quick and the dead style tournament. That'd be that'd be fantastic. Um, I don't know. Can I be Sharon Stone. You can absolutely be Sharon Stone. Yes. Um, I'll be uh, I'll be young Leo. Actually, I'll, I'll go have a shave and uh, dye my hair. I wasn't sure if you're going to be young Leo or Russell Crowe. I wasn't sure which way we were going to go there. Well, you can't. You can't it depends whether I shave or not shave, <laughs> and how angry I am. I don't know. Like. I don't even know what's on the line at the moment. I'm guessing it's going to be a beef pizza bet, which is kind of like eight bit tradition. We could take it all the way and kind of build up to like the, the actual winner, the game awards, and maybe do yeah. like a, you know, maybe not like a full scale uh, predictions because who cares about esports from my end? Like it would it'd just be like us guessing and kind of being like a more of a luck based thing. But if you think about like Oscars, like your big fives, or maybe just like those main type of categories where we might have a little bit more of a I think that's a great idea. All right, so so I'll just pull up the cat the categories here. Sorry, listeners, you're hearing this play out live, but uh, <laughs> I figure we've got game of the year. Obviously, that's a gimme. Yep. Uh, then we've got best game direction, best narrative. I'll read out a handful of them, and then I'll let you pick the the ones you think. So, best game direction, best narrative, best art direction, best score and music, best audio design, best performance, innovation in accessibility. Then we've got like, you know, your best action or your best genres. So action, sim, family, etc. cetera. Uh, there's also best indie debut, best indie, best ongoing, and then all the other esports stuff that no one really gives a toss about and then most anticipated. So I've got some ideas in mind, but what do you think? So we'll take game of the year. That's a definite. So we yep. need to say four more. Okay. So game of the year, uh, I'm going to say indie as well. Yep. Indie. Love that. I reckon best performance maybe. Yeah. Best performance. Yeah, um, I'm trying to think about like ca- categories that don't have a game of the year nominee in them, which mm, leads ooh, me to think I like, like that. indie debut potentially. Yeah, if there's no kind of crossover or as much crossover from there as what I can think about. There's three out of the best indie games in indie debut, and then there's Venba and Pizza Tower in there as well. Mm, maybe that's too much of a crossover. We could do like most anticipated game. Is that the? But fa- that's a puff piece. That's a, yeah. That's a trash know? award. Sorry, that's 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 garbage. I don't know. Maybe more of the technical stuff, like score and narration and direction, or something like that. Like okay, the, let's let's do instead of like game the of genre, the year, best performance, best indie. Do we go score and music? Yep. And then best game direction. Yeah, I think so. Okay, or best narrative instead of best game direction. 
Yeah, maybe best narrative. We're making okay. our big our, our own big big five of the Oscars. I like that. I like that. All right, that's settled. So we'll put those. We'll put our respective winning predictions in uh, over the coming days, and we'll, we'll see who takes home the bickies in a few weeks' time. But um, I've got a little bit of flow-on information on the back of the Game Awards. So nominees for the Game Awards 2023 have officially been revealed, with Alan Wake 2 and Baldur's Gate 3 leading the way with eight nominations each. I think we both actually said in the last episode that we feel that we're going to be up there with Zelda as far as the three big three with all the noms. Yep. Alan Wake 2's nominations include Game of the Year, Best Game Direction, Best Narrative, Best Art Direction, Best Score and Music, Best Sound Design, Best Performance, and Best Action Adventure Game. Baldur's Gate 3 saw a number of similar nominations, including Game of the Year, Best Game Direction, Best Narrative, Best Score and Music, Best Performance, Best Community Support, Best RPG, and Best <laughs> Multiplayer. Marvel Spider-Man 2 received seven nominations. The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom received five alongside Super Mario Bros. Wonder and Starfield received only one. And off the docket here, every Xbox fanboy shedding so many tears on the internet about that. I couldn't care either way. Starfield's fine, but it's not the best game I played this year by a long way. Nintendo is the Game Awards most nominated publisher in 2023 with 15 nominations across its combined portfolio, followed by Sony Interactive Entertainment slash PlayStation with 13 and Xbox, and that is inclusive of Bethesda and Blizzard with 10 and Epic Games with 9. All told, the 2023 game nominees spend 112 different games, individuals, teams, and events across multiple genres and platforms. The nominations are selected by a global jury of individuals from more than 100 media publications and influencer outlets. Winners for all 31 categories will be announced live from the Peacock Theatre in Los Angeles on December 7th slash 8th, depending on where you are in the world. So, buddy, i got to ask you, what are your biggest takeaways? Any glaring omissions or potential eyebrow raises as far as some of the games that were nominated, weren't nominated, maybe got too little, got too much? Where do you stand? Any, anything sort of standing out to you in a big way? Um, first of all, I guess like the elephant in the room is obviously the day of the diver, um, uh, being nominated for indie category. And then like the big kind of, uh, fuss that has been coming about that and it not being an actual indie, um, and then themselves coming out and it's like stating that they're not an indie and obviously like an offshoot, uh, from next, next on, is it the, the, the big company that make them. So, um, I know there's been a lot of, like people kind of debating what is an indie title and kind of the classification of what, the actual award states and, and how do you do, like define indie and all that. Um, but I've been hearing like that on a lot of podcasts. I've seen a lot of chatter on Twitter, but that has been from a lot of game journalists, influencers, content creators, um, people like that. A lot of those same people were the judges. So I'm kind of finding it a little bit hard to kind of reconcile in that way, how a lot of the people that are complaining about this are also uh, representative of the people that also would have voted for this. So it's kind of like only like really a backlash after the fact instead of before the fact. It was definitely like kind of said before that, um, but I guess it was only taken in from a small portion uh, of those said people. So if they're really experts in the industry qualified to give that you know, opinion and they're already set on knowing that before fact, then really it shouldn't have been nominated but the fact that all this uproar has happened after kind of like like gives me a bit of mm, a bad taste in my mouth about who are the judges what do they vote on and how knowledgeable they are actually are in all of this especially um the other big thing that kind of like jumped out to me was the best rpg mm-hmm. which is the only category that like starfield got um nominated in as well and i 
wouldn't really i didn't play that game but i i don't know it's just i don't kind of see it as an rpg i guess so many games now kind of cross or blur the lines between having rpg elements and being an action game or having rpg uh systems in it instead of like being a pure rpg himself i know them like in the discord um with the well-played people i know jamie penning who uh listens to a lot of podcasts and as a big nintendo fan one of his favorite games is his octopath traveler 2 which i guess you would kind of you know say that is a that's genuine, definitely a traditional rpg that's a yeah. genuine traditional rpg but then it's kind of getting outperformed like i don't know if that's a a, a you know something that would have been nominated whether or not but just to see other things take its place specifically something like lies of p as well i would have more kind of assumed that might be more of an action game or I, action I, adventure I'd put that game? as action like i haven't played a minute of lies of p so put the pitchforks away listeners like but it's it's an elden ring it's a Soulsborne game and i wouldn't consider those oh, i guess they are like like i guess what defines an rpg in my head is anytime you are progressing and leveling a character and you have broad forking narrative that you can sort of shape yeah it's i don't know i don't know, like the the description here on the game awards for best rpg it says for the best game designed with rich player character customization and progression including massively multiplayer experiences mm. so starfield single player final fantasy 16 single player right uh sea of stars single player but I guess like that's looking at Sea of Stars, that's where I could see Octopath Traveler 2 potentially interchanging with similar flavor, similar art style, similar JRPG throwback to the 90s, both games. So that could be interchanged. But yeah, I, I don't see Lies of P sitting in here. I'd put that in like action adventure. Yeah, because there's best action game, there's best action adventure game, and then there's best RPG. And I feel like three categories, yeah, that's probably deserved, but I feel like some of them are just really blurring the lines. So maybe... Uh, and alongside like Dave the Diver being a thing as well, maybe there needs to be more clarification of like what category uh, something can be nominated in before it is nominated as well. Like I know before the Oscars come out, you know, people kind of pitch it like, all right, this is going to be in the musical comedy um, category at the Golden Globes or it's going to be in the drama category. And a lot of that kind of stuff is kind of just to kind of get people awards sometimes like, oh, that movie is not really a musical or comedy. I think what mm. year was it? Was it Birdman that jumped into that category? Oh yeah. Oh, Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton. That went in the musical comedy. I'm like, mm, I can see what you're doing. Cause artistically it's like the whole one shot and um, they're on Broadway and everything. But like, would you mass like put it into one of those or do things just get put into those kind of categories to kind of get more chance of winning awards? So I don't know if that would solve the problem, um, but maybe they should just try. And maybe the categories that need to be kind of like cleaned up um, a little bit. Yeah, like best action game, it says, for the best game in the action genre, focus primarily on combat. And like, that's Liza P. You're fighting for your fucking life the whole time. <laughs> Why is that not in there? But I think the biggest eyebrow razor or chuckle moment for me is in best community support, seeing Destiny 2 in there, considering they fired all of their community managers and things just recently, and yet they still get a vote. Like, I know Destiny and Destiny 2 is very well supported and serviced from, from a live game perspective. But this year has certainly been a low point for Bungie and then see that the mass firings that have happened the last month or so is a little bit of a bad timing situation for seeing it getting nominated. But like you said, I would love to know who the people are of this list of um, 100 
or 100 media publications and influencer outlets, who they are, how across the industry and the genres they are that they're voting for because it feels like it's just cherry-picking the top-level stuff. They've jumped on Metacritic, seen the main score points, went, yep, that'll do, that'll do, that'll do. Yeah, that sounds good. My cousin talked about that the other day at lunch. <laughs> Chuck that in there too. Like, There is some interesting choices here. There'll be so many play uh, people that are kind of in that whatever it was, number 120 people that were kind of a part of that voting process that haven't played everything. And I'm not saying you should play everything, but that's why you see so many like repeat games come up in each type of category and a lot of them being AAA. Like you look at the bleed through of like the game of the year, you've got your six there and then they're pretty much nominated in all the categories they are for in their like genre categories, which is fair enough. Um, but then they also bleed over to like direction, narrative, art, all that kind of stuff, score. So I'm wondering how many games are actually getting played. Because you think about the Oscars and their voting process, um, you know, if this is what Keeley kind of wants this to, to be, right, on the level of the Oscars and, and kind of its prestige and, and thought about, especially with the you know, jo- old Joseph Ferris uh, rocking up. <laughs> Fuck the Oscars. Um <laughs> You think about that and how long it takes to watch a movie, two hours, and consume that, and where and how you can do that with screeners, um, and then oh, the amount of like film festivals that are done over the years uh, before release, um, way before release. Whereas, like to play one of these games, we look at like Starfield. How how big is that? Like eighty to one hundred hours. Spider Man's twenty to thirty. Baldur's Gate is like infinite. How many people are just playing? four to five, six games, like how many people are actually playing everything on this list to get like a representative uh, kind of snapshot of what gaming is in this year instead of like, okay, everyone played these six titles in the voting scheme of things. And then amongst those 120, they played like maybe three other, four other, five other titles that are kind of like super niche titles. But because not enough people played the same super niche titles, they don't pull enough votes to get them into any of the categories out here. So um, I would actually change the voting process. So you either get people that are more, I guess, more transparent. Yeah, so it's specialized. So for best indie game, I would be getting just... I could be wrong. Maybe the voting is like this. I don't think it is, though. Uh, I would be getting people that just like maybe some outlets that just play indie games Mm. all the time or people kind of have a renowned you know reputation for that like people have got their boots on the ground in these genres and categories on the daily instead of like an ign you know not gonna point fingers and say they're the cause of the problems of these games getting miscast but like they're a generalist website they've got some people in there that do play certain games wholly and solely but having them try and score and vote 31 categories is probably a bit of a tall ask so yeah maybe cherry pick certain outlets that are heroes for these categories that live and breathe it every day to get a bit more of an accurate representation. Yeah. And I feel like I'm um, with a lot of the voting process, say they choose an outlet and say there's like, you know, six or seven people in that outlet, they all make their individual votes. Uh, then they tally it up and then that end tally be as representative of that outlet. So it could be like a, an IGN or a press start kind of funny, um, you know, whatever, or the other Kotaku poly- polygon. So if you're getting like a, you know, all the stuff that's kind of not, represented as a whole uh that's kind of was getting votes in those outlets but didn't get enough to kind of be polygon's vote or kotaku's vote or whatever it is whoever the outlet is then that's not going to bleed through as like the representative vote at the top so as much as there's a lot of games in here there's also a lot of repetition a uh, repetition and triple a stuff across all the the categories and i know mm-hmm. we like we have these like indie spirit awards and all that kind of thing to kind of highlight indies and everything but maybe there needs to be a recategorization of some of those like 
genre awards. I don't know. That just feels like best, like best sports and racing and best fighting game. I feel like you know, they probably belong there. They're so, so kind of. But um, like you said, action, specific. action, adventure, yes. and then role playing. We've got games jumping across all three of those categories, and some deservedly so. Some shouldn't be in there. Yeah, it's like they've got three categories, and they can't figure out. Uh, you know, they've got three categories, and they can't figure out. You know, what can get get into those? How do you get into multiple? So it's just I don't know. One thing I'm just looking at now that shows just how far removed I am from the the streamer and content creator universes is i've just looked at the content creator of the year category and i have only heard of one of them and that's through them having a skin in Fortnite. so the five content (laughs) creator of the year nominees let me know if you know any of these iron mouse people make games quack kitty spreen and cypher pk so cypher pk has got his own skin in Fortnite. so that's how i've seen him but if he wasn't in Fortnite, i wouldn't know him or the other four I think the only one I've kind of semi seen anywhere is the people make games, but um, I guess I'm not in that kind of sphere to to consume that kind of stuff. So, didn't they have like what? What's the one that Greg Miller won all those years ago? Like best, you know? Oh, that was that at the win? Dice Awards though. Oh, that was the Dice Awards. Okay. That's yeah, that was like ones. best personality or yeah, something okay. like that. So I don't yeah, know, but like I love that there's best esports coach. I think that's great. I'm like, it's good to see the coach coach get some recognition. And like, who do you think's going to win? I'm going to give you five names. This isn't what we're going to we're going to put this not part of our our score to see who gets the pizza. <laughs> yeah. Do you think Christine Potter Chi, Danny Zonic Sorensen, Jordan Gunbar Graham, Remy XTQ Triple Z Quanium, or Yoon Homie Sung Young? is going to take out the best esports coach award for 2023. First of all, Danny Sorensen, Zonic Sorensen looks like he um, plays darts. Uh, but I've got to go for my our boy here, Jordan Graham. He's obviously uh, looking at the photo. He's got an Australian shirt on. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, you know, we just I just got to back him, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm down. I like the I like the thought. I don't, I don't want to sort of just take the mickey and just ride your coattails. I'm going to go with remy xtq triple z only because it looks like he fell asleep on his keyboard when he decided that name and just his head <laughs> landed on those keys and was like yep that's my username now so i'm gonna go remy quenium aka xtq triple z but my heart is going for jordan gunbar graham uh that remy guy looks like he kind of when he gets him into like the team into a private room he just like is yelling him out and just uh being quite abusive and, and oh, shouting. Yeah. so he's got that yeah. energy about him he's such a concerned look in that photo yeah, everyone. Oh, and so so does the so does the dart man, Danny Danny Sorensen. He he yeah. looks like he's about to throw some darts at people. But everyone else is sort of pretty keen. Pretty, Yoon Yoon Sung Young can certainly use some teeth whitener. I know that's pretty harsh to say, but like, come on, man, hygiene. So at least you can do. You got a nice tie. The hair's nice. Skin's looking good. Clean up them chompers, young man. But yeah, that is the game awards. Uh, I'm going to pivot and say, buddy, it seems we were very wrong because we threw a lot of shade and doubt over the PlayStation Portal last week, (laughs) but it seems we're in the minority as the device which launched last week on November the 15th has already sold out in the UK and US and is currently getting all kinds of dodgy eBay bids going on where they are driving up the price because supply and demand cannot be met. So uh, at least the United Kingdom and the United States are pretty horny for the PlayStation Portal. Do uh, Do you feel any different now seeing it out in the wild and seeing some feedback on the socials about people using it. Have you changed your tune? Are you going to pick up one of these? No, because um, <laughs> first of all, we live in Australia, uh, internet, hello. And um, 
yeah, I have a lounge room where I play all my games, and uh, yeah, if I want to play it on the go or elsewhere, I just, I just, I just don't like. Yeah, I, I don't know. I have no need for this. Um, but it's so funny, like UK and what is UK and the United US States were the biggest yep. ones. How's their internet in the world? Surely quite good. United States is pretty good, but the UK, like I don't know, their economy is pretty cooked. So I don't know mm. if that also translates to their internet being pretty patchy as well. Who the heck knows? Yeah, but um, yeah, it is what it is. We can't be right all the time here. But um, yeah, I'm happy for the people that are thirsting for these very niche handsets, in my opinion. So um, yeah, power to them. All right, next little bit of news. I've called Throw the Dog a Slightly Newer Bone. Naughty Dog has confirmed the release of The Last of Us Part 2 remastered for PlayStation 5, and it's going to be dropping on January the 19th of 2024. This updated version boasts technological enhancements, new gameplay modes, and behind-the-scenes features. It offers improved visuals, two graphics modes, enhanced DualSense controller support, expanded accessibility options, and faster loading time. Giddy up. The remaster includes a commentary track, new gameplay modes like Speedrun, and a roguelike survival mode called No Return, which features various playable characters with unique traits. Additionally, there's a guitar free play mode for musical exploration and owners of the PlayStation 4 version can upgrade for a mere 10 US dollars with additional special editions also available upon release with a ton of swag accompanying said special editions. So what's your temperature check on this? Are you keen? Like I know we talk about you being the the resident faction super fan. So I'm, I'm assuming that sort of indirectly ties you into some fandom and some appreciation of this franchise. Are you going to be throwing your 10 bickies down come January the 19th to get a free upgrade and go again? Or are you like, no, I'm good. I'm, I'm good. I appreciate this, but no thanks. I'll probably throw the bickies down. Um, AU pricing has just got released um, earlier today as well. So for us, it'll be $20. So I don't think that's too bad. I still have my um, Last of Us part to disc downstairs i generally don't mm-hmm. store discs i generally play games and roll them sell them privately or trade them in and get money back so i can afford my next kind of uh movie haul or uh <laughs> gaming adventures but yeah i'll i'll, I'll throw my money especially because of the lost kind of is it the lost levels um, yeah so, so there's something that they've called the lost levels in there the, the no return roguelike survival mode piqued my interest i thought that was kind of cool and being able to play new characters or characters you've experienced indirectly through the last of us world so far i think that's fun yep um i was curious if this upset you though because it's like why are you investing all this time and resource into this instead of my standalone factions game what is going on naughty talk all right so you can look at it two ways and my first reaction is seeing this and then like for fuck's sake where is factions i put the jay white video up of like just me him yelling fuck uh, over and over and over because that's how I feel sometimes when I don't get the factions <laughs> announcement I get something else um, but I don't see this as a big of a problem as some people did with the Last of Us remake uh, mm-hmm. versus this remastered uh, to the fact that we're getting new content with that roguelike mode the lost levels I think is a, a enough of an addition specifically because they have an upgrade path which is something they didn't have before because it was a remake and that remake was for a 10 year old game. I know a lot of people are like kind of poo pooing this because it's like 2020 and you know, it's only been three years. Do we need a remaster? I'm like, well, if it's going to run better on a PS5 and you're going to add more content, then I believe yes. And specifically for people that collect or haven't played this game before and don't have a, an option to kind of upgrade, do want to own it on a PS5 
disc and not have to require paying 20 bucks or getting the older disc and then having to download the whole said file and having less on the kind of the disc. I know physical media, whoa, uh, scary. Um, I like that as being an, an option as well. One for game preservation and I guess ease specifically in our kind of mm-hmm. um, internet infrastructure. So cool. I don't think it's as bad as what everyone else is kind of complaining and carrying on about and sharing all their, those, uh, those hot takes. But the other side of it for me is like, okay, I didn't get factions. I want factions, but maybe this is another kind of thing where they're playing around with the PS5 architecture behind the scenes. And hopefully by the time we get factions, um, they've got enough experience getting the most out of this console that they haven't had before. We saw Last of Us Part Two come at the end of the PS4 life cycle. Uh, it was fantastic. I can't believe it ran on my PlayStation 4 launch edition and looked as stunning as it did, mm-hmm. specifically when a lot of other games from third-party developers have kind of fallen apart or looked patchy or didn't perform quite as well, whereas The Last of Us 2 was quite seamless and fantastic. So hopefully they're maybe using this as a, a way to kind of play with the console to get the best out of kind of their next project and maybe that $20 upgrade uh, is just kind of kind of keeping the lights on uh, or kind of pushing forward um, some kind of capital into the the, the faction thing that's going to come hopefully uh, in the future so hopefully that um, is, is a thing and it's it's kind of a little bit off-putting or a bit weird seeing a lot of people kind of throw shade at it like saying this should be free or why are we doing this but then it's also the kind of the same people that would say like, we don't want to crunch employees and they mm. shouldn't be doing this or that, or, you know, they should be paid properly or we should unionize. I'm like, okay, well, these people, they want to pay, they want to charge, they've given you an upgrade path. They didn't have that before because it was a remake versus remastered. Now there is an upgrade path. Now the it's not that expensive and people want it free. It's like, okay, you can't have the crunch debate and the unionizing debate and pay people for their work versus not paying for the thing so i cannot find, find, kind of feel like there's like an offset kind of b- between that so i'm trying to look at it as, as a positive side i guess yeah I, I i appreciate that i'm i'm with you like the internet culture and the the games online community or just internet in general they just always want to find something to be angry and upset about so this is just their their current bee in their bonnet and yeah, I, I feel the the 10 US or the, the 20 AUD upgrade version, I think that's that's a damn respectable price. They could have potentially said that wasn't an option. You need to pay 50, 60, 100 bucks, whatever it's going to be, and people would still pay it. But this is a smart way to get people in. This is a smart way to ride off the hype and momentum of The Last of Us TV adaptation. I thought this might have maybe lined up with the release of say season two of the TV show. And they'll do like a box set of part one and part two bundle that with episode one, when it drops as a, as the the main moneymaker, but coming out in January, I think you bang on the money where this is allowing them to get more familiar with this backend Sony ecosystem and, and make sure that factions and unannounced naughty dog game X and Y, and no doubt the the next uncharted and everything else they're working on, will sing and dance the way it's meant to on this platform. So I get that they're sort of cautiously dipping a toe with this new hardware to make sure that their backend code is going to run the right way. And yeah, it's cool that it's not just a game that's going to look better and run better. There's 
there's new modes, there's new accessibility options, there's some other little funky things. Like I thought the guitar free play mode mm. is, a, is a fun little add-on because that musical element ties into some of the most powerful parts of this franchise. So being able to take some time with that and disconnect from the combat and the heartbreak and, and strum some chords, I think that's really fun. So yeah, I, I want to tip the hat to Naughty Dog. I feel that, yeah, three years is still pretty recent, but yeah, going from hardware generations across that three-year cycle is a big leap. So we all see this game look as good slash bad as it ever has because there is some truly horrific things that you see in this game that are going to be even more horrific in you know 4K on, on the big sexy screen. But yeah, I'm down. I'll, uh, I'll drop my 20 bones come uh, January 19th and upgrade my... I think I had a digital one, so that'll be easy for oh, me because... Yeah, just I'll jump online, go boom, there's my 20, Mr. and Mrs. Sony. Give me my new version and I'll go again. Yeah. My, my biggest trepidation is like not knowing how many t- internal teams there are in Sony. So if there are, uh, sorry, Naughty Dog, if there's only one team, like surely there's two teams, right? One team working on this and then the other working on the factions at the very minimum. My It's, it's all about opportunity cost. If there's resources that are making this that work, taking away from factions and that's taking longer then i can get annoyed but if there is like these resources are not kind of contributing to that in any kind of way shape or form then i see that as being being fine but i'm always kind of worried that maybe this is a bigger thing about sony not having like a a slate that's kind of projected for this year or next year and kind of the live service games the six that were uh you know kind of be between this year and that have been pushed back out of the 12, which sounds just absurd. Um, maybe that's kind of thrown all into a disarray and like, well, we'll put our resources here so we can at least have something out. And that's pushing factions back as being one of those live service games. So there's also that negative type of part of my brain that goes, okay, this is a tie over. This is pushing things back. So I don't know. We'll, well, time will tell, but time will tell. I think the content at least is good. I think it's so. Awesome. And, and it's smart. Like no doubt, HBO and Sony at the top end are like, holy shit, this show has performed better than we ever expected. Let's try and get back to this well and get as much more, like as much money as we can out of this because it's ultimately it's always about profits at the top. Looking at the numbers, I think they've got anywhere from 440 to 497 employees, depending on the the listings I'm seeing here. So they've they've got a fairly sizable workforce. So you think they'd be split across two, maybe three games. Hmm. Because yeah. They'll they'll have a few uh few coals in the fire, that's for sure. I'm sure the Last of Us Part Three somewhere in there as well, hopefully. Oh, I have no doubt about that. No doubt at all. But uh the last little bit of news I'm bringing to the table for you today, buddy, I've titled this one I can see you in court. A lawsuit filed in the Eastern District of Arkansas on October thirty specifically targets Microsoft, EA, Activision, Ubisoft, and Epic Games, along with a handful of other studios accusing them of, in, of enabling video game addiction. Mm. Was that my, uh, was that Siri just rudely interrupting then? Yeah, Siri was like, video game addiction. Yes, it's real, Brendan. Yeah, it, it's going to be in my in my Google searches now, you wait. So yeah, accusing them of enabling video game addiction. The plaintiff, an Arkansas mother, represents her minor child and husband, claiming the company's concerted efforts to get consumers addicted have led to a rapid spread of video game addiction. The 129-page complaint lists 14 counts, including negligence, fraudulent misrepresentation, and violation of trade practices. The plaintiff seeks damages for injuries, economic loss, and legal fees. The lawsuit details various microtransactions and monetization schemes, citing patents from Activision, Microsoft, and EA, among others. 
to support the claim that the companies design games to cause addiction. The suit explores how these practices target miners, attract whales, exploit cloud gaming, and create a generation of gaming addicts. Buddy, what do you think about this? Do you feel that there's some grounds here that this uh, this mother and her very, very downtrodden child and husband because they're addicted to games now, they're injecting it into their digital veins every night, several hours a night. Do you feel they've got a leg to stand on here to get some money out of these devs and pubs? Or do you think this is just all a bunch of hooey? And for two ninety five, you can read the rest of the 129-page effort <laughs> uh, per week. Uh, look, definitely valid points being brought up um, as far as like how games are made now with the live service model and kind of everything there is kind of accurate, right? But the idea that this is like an Arkansas mother taking them to court is just absurd and shows kind of the Americanism's obsession with uh, litigation and absurd litigation. Um, I would expect something on this end to be more of like a class action lawsuit from maybe some companies or kind of, you know, someone lobbying that's uh, kind of in that that gaming space where it's like, like an organizational or kind of a company's banding together. The fact that it's one mother kind of like, you made my child addicted to gaming. Everything she's saying like is definitely accurate about the, um, the microtransactions, monetization and targeting of all that kind of stuff. But just the idea of like the negligence, the misreputation and yeah. all that kind of stuff. And I don't know what like the, the, the document says about her... Uh, child i've got some info for you here so according to the filing so so gd is um the child so the the husband (laughs) and the child like they're in on this together so uh the child is 13 years old and plays video games 12 to 14 hours per day despite parental efforts to limit this time he primarily plays Fortnite, Rainbow Six Siege, Battlefield, and Call of Duty, and is said to have spent approximately $350 US per month on gaming. In total, it is claimed GD has spent around $3,000 on in-game transactions and downloadable content, not including the cost of consoles, games, and an Xbox Game Pass Ultimate subscription. So I firstly want to say, like, you know, like I'm not going to dismiss how hard it is to raise a child. Like, that is a job and a giant mountain to climb on the daily, but also take the fucking console away. It's that easy. Like if your kid's being a shit and like it's this child's 13 years old, he needs to to understand that this isn't just something that they can consume for half of their day every day. It should be a reward. You incentivize the child to go to school, do the chores, do the homework. Then you get a few hours to play Fortnite or whatever the hell. But I love seeing this or you see on a current affair and they're like, oh, my son, he's, he's an evil child. All he does is play games and I try and take the control and he tells me to fuck off. And it's just like, <laughs> well, just take the controller, break the controller, whatever. Like mm. take control of your household and say and, on the, the and money your husband, Yeah, by the look of it, like he, that's where it all starts, right? At, at the top of the pairing. And if that's setting the example, like just parental controls not have how are they getting access to money don't save credit cards don't have credit cards lying around stolen like i just get dumped like uh, i just get dumbfounded by these type of things because uh i initially hear these or see these type of examples i'm just like you're the problem all right like tell me i want to know the background what is your education and what is where have you been and what are, how did you grow up as the as the parent and, and how, what are you I translating down come on like what's going on here i see these kind of stories and like okay if it is a kind of submissive uh parent that's maybe had like 
traumatic experiences in, in the past where they kind of don't put their foot down and, and all these other things. I'm like, we just need to go back to hitting kids again. I reckon that's, that's, that's going to sort it out. Right. But even like you said, like the fact that the father is partially to blame here, he's enabling the kid. He's probably up. They're both grinding battle pass levels in (laughs) Fortnite and Call of Duty together. He's probably stolen his wife's credit card. And so he's getting in the skins and buying the battle passes. So he's just as much at fault here. Like, well, they're all at fault. The the child, you know, the young son, the (laughs) husband, especially, and then the wife, the fact that they're just like, yeah, let's, let's not be accountable ourselves. Let's blame the evil gaming companies. And yeah, they do some predatory shit. Don't get me wrong. 100%. I, I am an indirect whale in a lot of games because I love to waste money and I love shiny things. So they get me hook, line and sinker regularly. So I am part of the problem. But also, yeah, take some ownership of your household here. I love that they're seeking money for damages tying to uh, physical pain in the hands, elbows and shoulders. Oh my God. Yeah. So there's that. They're also t- seeking money for the necessary care and treatment of those, the um, emotional anguish off the back of this, the parents' economic losses. It's it's a hoot, some of these uh, little hit points there. But um, I'm very curious to Sign see what me happens up. here. Sign me up. Get me in on the suit. I want some of this. I want some of this money. <laughs> Let's go. I'll come, I'll come in on the suit. I'll back you up, mum. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah. They're targeting you and, me you too. And GD, the face of uh, the face of gaming addiction right. in 2023. Yeah, all those Rocket League crates and keys and stuff I've spent over the years. You're right. I had to delete that game, but I did. I did delete See? that game because the addiction was real. You didn't need to go and sue a, a company for mm. for your love and passion as That's far right. as hitting a ball around in a vehicle. You just yeah. went, you know what? I've had enough. This is not good for me. Uninstall. It only took 11,000 uh, games uh, in games uh, that kind of factored out to. Is that an days. accurate number? That's an accurate number. It's probably conservatively low, uh, fact, not factoring in how many games I've played on other consoles. But uh, at five minutes a game, you can do the math of how many hours and days I've put into Rocket League in my lifetime. So I, haven't, I think I've played that for like a year or two now. I deleted that a while ago. Mamma mia. And now yeah. you've pivoted back I'm to pivoted, I'm back, baby. I'm back into <laughs> factions. Let's go. That's never getting deleted. There's nothing wrong with that at all. There's no microtransactions and left. I brought everything. Okay. <laughs> That's just sucking ah. my time away, and that's that that it can have. Yeah, so let let's see what happens to this uh, family in Arkansas. Let's see if GD and his father manage to break the vicious gaming addiction cycle, or if this just gets laughed out of court. I'll keep my eyes on this and see what happens over the coming months on that because I found that one very humorous and very interesting. But buddy, let's jump into this. Miss Ellie Hart's Carousel of Chaos. All right, so we're back with another rotating assortment of games, fun, and madness. And I'm bringing back a classic from season one of The Hungry Gamers called... Clan or Sham, listeners. And for, for those out there probably saying, what in the hell is that? I am going to be taking Buddy down a list of various esports organizations they can be fact or they can be fiction so they can be real esports organizations or they can be fake ones so are they a clan or are they a sham and (laughs) the theme on this one i've taken five teams from the league of legends esports standing from the summer 2023 championships and bracket Mm, yeah and so i've watched it all 
I, I figured you'd be across it. You'd mm. be you'd be definitely like a mid laner, something like that, yeah. or maybe in ADC. I don't know. That's it. Three three lanes, point and click, uh, support and uh, things. Yeah, I'm, I'm an expert. Yeah, you're you're across this. So I've broken it down where I'm going to give you two, and you need to work out which ones the clan and which ones the sham. So mm-hmm. so we've got five rounds. Mm. We'll work it through and see uh, see how you end up at the end there. So um, <laughs> are you ready to uh, play clan or sham? Oh, let's do it. All right. The first two clans, and these tie into the LJL division, which is uh, based out of Japan. So the first one, Fukuoka SoftBank Hawks Gaming. Are they a clan or a sham? Or is it Tokyo Panasonic Thundercats? Which one is the clan and which one is the sham out of those two, buddy? What was the first one again? Fukuoka SoftBank Hawks Gaming. And the other one is Tokyo Panasonic Thundercats. Thundercats, 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 Hawks. I'm going to go the Hawks, Hawks, Hawks. That's such an American thing. I'll go Thundercats. That's a cartoon anime. Let's get some deduction. So you go on the Thundercats as the clan and Fukuoka SoftBank Hawks Gaming as the sham? Yeah, yep. Okay, I've got to say sorry, but uh, oh my you are God. incorrect. The oh Fukuoka God. SoftBank Hawks Gaming are a real clan, and they lost in the final to another clan called Destination Focus Me. So uh, the LJL League is popping off. The next one, we're going to the LLA, which is the Latin America League. Oh my God! All right. So the first clan or sham, Movie Star <laughs> Skylines with the Z. Or Movie Star R7. Which one is the clan and which one is the sham? Movie Star Skylines or Movie Star R7 from the Latin America League? R7, R7. What could that be for? Okay, I'm going to go the one with the Z because uh, a lot of esports teams have Zs because they're idiots. Okay. <laughs> It's very accurate, very accurate sort of line to throw there. So you're going Movie Star Skylines as yeah, the real one with it. and yep. Movie Star R7 as the sham. That's it. You are incorrect again. Oh you are my God. 0 for 2. Movie Star R7 beat Estrel Esports in the final of the LLA Summer League this year. All right. The next two, these ones are from the LPL China League. Strap in for these names, my oh friend. My Weibo Gaming FAW Audio or Guangzhou Gorilla Fist Esports? Which one oh. is the clan and which one is the sham? Weibo Gaming FAW Audio or Guangzhou Gorilla Fist Esports? I'm telling you what. I'm going to choose the fist and the Guangzhou Gorilla Fist Gaming better not fist me right now. Mate, bend over because the Guangzhou Gorilla Fist Esports are fisting you all up and down here. So Weibo Gaming FAW Audio is the right one. And they won the LPL China bracket over Shanghai Edward Gaming Hiken. (laughs) Some of these names are fucked. They're so fucked. Like Shalankan surnames. It's absurd. Shout out to Australia winning the World Cup, by the way. But uh, the next one, Team 7AM or Team Minutes to Midnight. So these are two teams from the Elite Series in EMEA. So Team 7AM or Team Minutes to Midnight. Which is the clan and which one's the sham? Okay, so it's either a Linkin Park album or the time at which people are awake until playing. Um, 
Yeah, it's uh, well, what country are they from? Region. So sorry? this is from Amaya. So we're talking like Middle East. Middle East. Minutes to midnight. Minutes to midnight. Seven a.m. You know what? We're gonna go seven a.m. They're the real deal. You go on team seven a.m. Yeah, mate. You are finally on the board. Oh. They are the correct answer, <laughs> and they won the Elite Series Amaya Cup over KRC Genk. Esports. Yeah, I know. Team I saw that one, actually. You're up at you're up at seven tuning them on. You got I the was, jersey. I was up. Yeah, it was minutes to midnight. I saw it. All right. I love that. And okay, so the last one to try and get back to a respectable two out of five, forty percent here. So we're we're shifting focus to sort of the local Oceanic League now. So the mm. LCO. Mm-hmm. So we're going to say Team Bliss or Team Nirvana. Which is the clan? Which one's the sham? Team Bliss. It's so. So happy, Team Bliss, Nirvana. That's that's also happy, but it's also like '90s fucking alt rock, Kurt mm. Cobain uh, appropriation of music taste through Triple J and Hottest 100s over the years. Someone from that era, '92, they'd be like 32 now. They're probably a coach of that team. They'd name something Team Nirvana because that was like their favorite band growing up, and they had that black shirt and you know, MTV Unplugged CD or cassette in their mm-hmm. Discman or Walkman. I'm going to go Team Nirvana. You're going to go Team Nirvana? Yeah, Final they're answer? Real. They're real. Yeah, 100%. They may be real, but they're not real in the uh, the LCO. That's for sure. Team Bliss is the correct answer. They're actually an organization based up in Queensland, halfway, I think they're on the Goldie or Brisbane or somewhere between. So they're, they're in the same state as you. Uh, so Team Bliss, they beat Chiefs, who have been the uh, the darling of the LCO or the Oceanic area in League of Legends for several years. It was a bit of a changing or uh, passing of the torch. And then a few months later, Team Bliss actually acquired Chiefs. So they wow. stole their lunch and then um, stole everything else from them. So uh, yeah, Team Bliss is they'll, correct. They were playing for pink slips. Unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, buddy... The yeah. first round of Clan or Sham was not the best. It wasn't the worst. You, you got one. You got yeah. one. You got Team 7AM. Let's throw it back to last week. I got four out of five, right? Mm-hmm. So I got one out of five now. So I'm, si- I'm sitting at 50%. Yeah, that's all fair. guesses. So I'm five from 10. I love that. That's a pass mark, you know? Passes yeah. are more than acceptable here. So overall, five out of 10. Today, one out of five. Last week, four out of five. So let's see how you fare next look, week when look, things C- gear up. C's get degrees. I love that. I love that. And um, if you don't want to wait potentially months or years to sit and get your degree, don't worry because we've got you covered. The week that's yet to come, presented by Dash Water. All right. As far as things to do this week, apart from listening to the fantastic Radio Watson back catalogue, maybe playing some <laughs> factions and jumping on and experiencing the OG maps from Fortnite, uh, you can go to the cinemas and check out either Cat Person, Napoleon, or the Royal Hotel. As far as new and notables on the streamers, I haven't really been able to find anything sexy or appealing. And looking at games coming out this coming calendar week, it's pretty lean as well. We've got our Jurassic Park Classic Games Collection, which is something that tickles my pickle greatly. And if we sort of do let it bleed into the next two days after that, so we've got a few more games to mention. We've got June Spice Wars coming out on the Xbox and Roller Dome coming out on the Xbox as well. You're a big uh, Roller Dome fan, Right, loved it. Uh, I streamed that when it came out. I platinumed that awesome kind of little arena-based uh, throwback to kind of Tony Hawk, but with combat and cel-shaded art and weapons and explosions. So 
Yeah, Rollerdrome was sick. Definitely play yeah. that. Yeah, it's it's coming out like a year later on the Xbox, but it's finally here. I think it's part of Game Pass, so you can get it at the cost of your subscription you're already paying. But, buddy, that brings us to the end of another episode of the Hungry Gamers Podcast. Anything you want to mention, shout out before we close this sucker down for another week. Yeah, um, yeah, play factions, jump on, especially if it's your first time. I'm, I'm in a bit of a, a lean streak at the moment, so seeing new players pop up, uh, that would help me greatly. <laughs> is, is it gotten to the point, because I'm assuming it's a very devout fan base, like people will see your gamer tag or your they username do. and they'll just yep. go, oh shit, this this guy's a big dick around here. Yeah, it's, it's funny because I'm playing with um uh, a few people as well, so sometimes we'll be in a lobby and like another team will jump in the lobby and like, oh, those guys. And then they like jump straight back out. <laughs> <laughs> but then we will also do that. Like we're in a lobby and it's like, you know, someone jumps in. It's like, ah, oh, fuck, those two are cheaters. And we jump back out. Yeah. It was a Viper, right? I think Viper, Viper was a cheater. That's right. Yeah. Damn, Viper. And, and Bubba double underscore Yaga and uh, Jaws double underscore 1975. Yeah, they're God. cheaters. To Gosh. hell with all three of those dirt bags. Yeah. I hope they get really bad carpal tunnel and are unable to sue Naughty Dog for yeah, damage that's and right. anguish. Yep, I'm going to sue them. <laughs> Emotional damage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You should sue Bubba underscore underscore Yaga and Viper and the third one that I've forgotten already. Sue them for emotional trauma for being <laughs> dirtbags and cheaters because that has no place in today's gaming landscape. That's right. Don't cheat in video games, people. No. Unless there's cheat codes and it's encouraged, like GTA. Yeah, yeah. But outside of that, just just be good people. Keep it clean. And on that note, I guess we shall close things up for another week. Be sure to rate, review, subscribe this podcast and all the other podcasts you listen to on the regular. Those ratings and reviews keep the emotional lights on in our hearts. They keep us tracking, keep us trending, keep us relevant, and they take little time and cost no money. So please pay it forward via the way of those ratings and reviews. If you want to buy some merch, you can do so over at shop8bit.net. You can follow me at Brendan8bit. You can follow Buddy at BuddyWatson12. And you can find us all at WeAre8bit. But until next time, much love. Stay hungry. We'll see you around.